In the space of one week, both the President of the United States and the President of Russia have made high-profile visits to the Middle East. Why all of a sudden this flurry of activity? What is going on? That's our topic in this episode of Foreshadows Report. Welcome to Foreshadows Report, a podcast in which we learn how we can keep watch and find hope as we grow in our understanding of Bible prophecy. This is Steve Miller, and in this episode, we're going to look at how two superpowers are clashing in the Middle East, that is, the U.S. and Russia. For many years now, the Middle East has been filled with turmoil, and if we want to have a better understanding of what's going on, it's helpful to know what the United States and Russia are trying to do in the region. It's hard to keep track of who's doing what in today's Middle East. The simplest way to describe the geopolitical landscape is this. Israel is a tiny Jewish nation, and it's the only democracy in the region. Surrounding Israel are many larger Arab states that have been mostly hostile toward Israel, until recently with the development of the Abraham Accords. For this reason, Israel has found it necessary to stay in a continual state of high alert for its survival. While all the Arab states in the Middle East are Muslim, they are not at all similar. Some of the Arab countries do not have friendly relations at all. A prime example is Iran and Saudi Arabia. Even within each Arab nation, we see different factions of people who disagree with each other. On the most basic level, there are Sunni versus Shia Muslims, moderates versus extremists, and those who are willing to establish diplomatic relations with Israel versus those who wish to wipe Israel off the map. So, all through the Muslim world, you'll find a wide variety of political and military agendas. All of this creates a lot of friction and rivalry. This is one of the major reasons it's so difficult to follow and understand what is going on in the Middle East. But if we step back, and we turn our attention to just the two superpowers that are active in the Middle East today, we can get a clearer picture of what's going on. The two superpowers here are the United States and Russia. I'll add that there's another superpower that has had a growing influence on the Middle East, and that's China. But China has purposely kept a rather passive, low-key role. When it comes to the actual power plays in the Middle East, It's the United States and Russia that have the greatest influence. And interestingly enough, this became very evident in recent weeks with the President of the U.S. visiting Israel and Saudi Arabia and the President of Russia visiting Iran to meet with the Presidents of Iran and Turkey. There is no question that President Putin of Russia went to the Middle East right after the U.S. visit because he wanted to push back on America's influence in the area. As we look at the clash that's taking place between the two superpowers, let's start with the United States. The U.S. has been a supporter of Israel from day one. As soon as Israel declared its independence on May 14, 1948, U.S. President Truman recognized Israel as a nation and vocally supported its statehood. Since then, the U.S. has been Israel's strongest ally, and the two countries have worked together in many areas, including education, economics, science, and high-tech. There's a lot of trade between the two countries. And most importantly, 
the U.S. has supported Israel's military and weapons development and provided financial aid for Israel to defend itself against its enemy. The U.S. also had a role in bringing peace between Israel and Egypt back in 1979. And over the years, there have been many United Nations resolutions against Israel that the U.S. has blocked. And in 2020, the U.S. president at the time helped to bring about the Abraham Accords, which paved the way for normalized relationships between Israel and the United Arab Emirates, Bahrain, Sudan, and Morocco. Yet over the past couple decades, the U.S. has also had a diminishing influence in the Middle East. For example, for many years, the presence of U.S. troops in the region acted as a deterrent against terrorists and provided a major source of security for Israel. But the recent troop reductions and withdrawals from Syria, Iraq, Libya, and Afghanistan have all left vacuums that are now being exploited by Russia, Iran, and the many terrorist groups that Iran supports. When the United States made a sudden and poorly planned withdrawal from Afghanistan in August 2021, the country was immediately taken over by the Taliban. The disastrous manner in which the pullout took place left many of America's allies wondering, can the U.S. be trusted to help them in a time of crisis? An article that appeared in Foreign Affairs magazine said, American credibility has been dealt a staggering blow. Allies no longer trust that the United States will keep its commitments, and adversaries no longer fear the same thing. Another way that U.S. influence is declining is by failing to help its supposed allies in the Middle East. Back in September 2019, a terrorist group supported by Iran attacked Saudi Arabian oil facilities, but the U.S. took no military action. We can be sure that this surprised Saudi Arabia, which assumed that the U.S. would act on its past track record of protecting the free flow of energy across the Middle East. The lack of action on the part of the U.S. meant that Iran got away with the attacks, and it likely explains one of the reasons why Iran continues to act belligerently in the Middle East. It's not afraid of any consequences from the U.S. Also in recent years, there have been many voices in the U.S. saying that the U.S. should not support Israel. There's been the boycott, divestment, sanction movement, in which people and even top U.S. politicians have voiced opposition to Israel and said that the U.S. should pull its money out of Israel and impose sanctions on it. And one of the biggest current disagreements between the U.S. and Israel is the U.S.'s desire to establish a new nuclear agreement with Iran. For the entire last year, Iran has controlled the agenda for the nuclear talks. It refuses to negotiate directly with the U.S. and instead is working through intermediaries. Iran is being helped by Russia and Chinese negotiators, and over the months, Iran has consistently gotten the U.S. to agree to its demand in the talks. The reason that the talks are stalled now is that Iran has demanded that the U.S. drop the Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps from its list of foreign terrorist organizations. The current U.S. administration has refused, but at the same time, it wants very much to reach an agreement with Iran and is still hoping for a deal. Israel has warned the U.S. that Iran cannot be trusted, and it is because of the U.S.'s insistence on striking a deal with Iran 
that Israel decided to scale back the secret military intelligence that it shares with the U.S. That's because Israel is afraid that the U.S. might do something that will compromise Israel's efforts to protect itself from Iran. This now brings us to the recent U.S. trip to Israel and Saudi Arabia. While in Saudi Arabia, President Biden said, The United States has invested in building a positive future in the region in partnership with all of you, and the United States is not going anywhere. He then said, We will not walk away and leave a vacuum to be filled by China, Russia, or Iran. Yet even a left-leaning news organization like CNN wrote an article with the headline, Biden tries to ease worries over U.S. commitment to the Middle East in meetings with key leaders. And another left-leaning media outlet, the New York Times, said, looming over the meetings for many of those leaders were doubts about the United States' long-term commitment to the region. So even those who are politically favorable to Biden have recognized that many Arab leaders are skeptical about the U.S.'s commitment to the Middle East. Also, politically, Biden has talked a lot about the need for democracy to spread, which is not a message that Arab leaders are receptive to. Almost all of them are kings, dictators, or military leaders who are not elected democratically. Israel is the only true democracy in the entire Middle East. Now, while Biden's time in Israel seems to have been productive, in terms of promising to continue providing economic support for Israel to defend itself, and working with Israel to prevent Iran from developing a nuclear bomb, Biden's meetings in Saudi Arabia produced no meaningful results at all. And keep in mind that those meetings were attended by leaders from several other Arab countries. Prior to the visit to Saudi Arabia, the White House set high hopes for building on the Abraham Accords and normalizing relationships between Saudi Arabia and Israel. But in the end, it turns out Saudi Arabia will not seek normalized relations. Another key reason for the trip was to encourage the development of a regional security alliance that would ask Arab countries to cooperate with Israel and push back against Iran. But that isn't going to happen either. And still another purpose of the visit was to ask Saudi Arabia to increase oil production to help with the energy shortages in the U.S. and the European Union, and Saudi Arabia said no. So with the exception of positive developments in the relationship between the U.S. and Israel, the U.S. was poorly received by Middle Eastern leaders who were present at the meetings in Saudi Arabia. This includes leaders from the Arab Gulf states, Egypt, Jordan, and Iraq. Now let's look at the other superpower in this clash, which is Russia. For several decades, Russia has sold military hardware and ammunition to the Arab nations all across the Middle East. And ever since Putin became president of Russia, he has deliberately cultivated diplomatic relations with every single country in the Middle East, even with nations that are at odds with each other. For example, while Saudi Arabia and Iran don't get along, Russia has diplomatic ties with both. What Putin has done is to maintain relations with all the different countries while not taking sides in their internal disputes. He has involved Russia in the Middle East in somewhat of a detached way, and because Russia is constantly at work maintaining these relationships, Russia has become more and more of a major power broker in the area. 
One very big break for Russia's involvement in the Middle East came as a result of the civil war in Syria, which broke out in 2011. In 2015, President Assad's government was on the brink of collapse, so he reached out to Putin and asked for help. Putin provided fighter jets and ground forces, and Russia's involvement has been successful enough that even though the civil war still continues, there is more stability in Syria these days, and Assad's government has managed to survive. Again, a key reason Putin was eager to help is because Russia wants to be the dominant superpower in the Middle East. And for context about Syria, we have to remember something that happened back in 2013, when Assad was accused of using chemical weapons against his own people in Syria. The former U.S. president at the time said that it was a red line that could not be crossed. But even as evidence came out that chemical weapons were being used, the U.S. did nothing. And this was a signal to Putin that the U.S. was a weak player, and it served as an invitation for Putin to be more aggressive. It's also important to recognize that while the U.S. and Russia are adversaries, Israel does not view Russia the same way the U.S. does. Israel currently has active diplomatic relations with Russia. And while the two disagree on many things in the Middle East, such as Russia's support of Iran, Israel still has economic and cultural ties with Russia. Another way in which Russia has a major influence in the Middle East is its ties with Iran, which continue to grow. In 2001, the two countries signed a treaty agreeing to mutual relations and increased trade. And today, Iran is Russia's third largest military customer after China and India. Iran buys all kinds of advanced weapons systems from Russia, including anti-ship missiles and air defense systems. In 2021, the two nations began work on a new 20-year agreement, one that will greatly increase their already strong ties. So as it stands now, Iran is one of the most powerful countries in the Middle East, and it's the big bully in the neighborhood. So for Russia to be closely connected to Iran, means that you've got two very powerful countries working together to have a major influence on the rest of the Middle East. Russia has also established other strategic footholds in the Middle East as well, with expanded interest in Libya and other parts of North Africa. The United Arab Emirates, Yemen, and even Afghanistan, where Russia has active relations with the Taliban government. In all of this, we see that Russia is very active in the Middle East. While its diplomatic relations are delicate and complex, it has worked hard to cultivate and maintain these ties. In contrast, the U.S. hasn't been anywhere near as active in the region. And what makes Biden's trip to Saudi Arabia especially awkward is that before he became president, he made it clear that he did not want diplomatic relations with the Saudi crown prince. So his about-face had to have generated a lot of skepticism, not only in Saudi Arabia, but in the rest of the Arab world. This brings us to Putin's recent visit to Iran, where he met with the presidents of Iran and Turkey. Again, there is no question that Putin did this immediately after Biden's trip because Putin wanted to push back on any U.S. influence in the region. So what happened in this later meeting? The president of Iran stated to Putin that the U.S. has become weaker in the Middle East and has very low chances of success, in spite of all the money it has spent in the area. Iran and Russia agreed to the need for stronger bilateral relations to push back against Western sanctions 
and to get rid of the use of the U.S. dollar in international financial transactions. In these meetings, Iran also asked Turkey to pull back its forces in the Syrian civil war. While Iran and Russia have supported President Assad's forces, Turkey is not. Turkey has been supporting the anti-government rebel. Both Russia and Iran want to bring an end to the civil war in Syria. And so Iran, Russia, Turkey, and Syria are all going to negotiate to that effect. And of course, Russia and Iran are highly motivated to make this happen, for if they can stabilize the region, it will enable them to have an even stronger presence in Syria. Bringing an end to the civil war in Syria would free up Iran and Russia for whatever might come next. And Iran is especially motivated to settle the civil war because it wants to continue using Syria as a base for attacks against Israel. As you know, Syria sits right on Israel's northern border, which is very strategic for Iran. And prophetically speaking, we know from Ezekiel 38 that there is coming a future invasion against Israel that will involve Russia, Iran, and Turkey. We don't know when this invasion will take place, but because Russia and Iran both have a military presence in Syria, we can see the stage setting going on right now. Another major result of the meeting is that Turkey is now insisting that the U.S. pull its remaining forces out of Syria, which would be yet another step toward diminished influence. The U.S. has been in Syria fighting against ISIS forces or the Islamic State, and now Turkey wants them out. Finally, many of the refugees from the Syrian civil war have fled to Turkey, and the president of Turkey wants to bring those refugees back to Syria. In all of this, we see relations between Russia, Iran, and Turkey growing stronger. We see Russia actively engaged all across the Middle East, and we see Middle Eastern leaders showing skepticism toward the U.S. And as we see Russia's role increase and the U.S.'s role decrease, that puts Israel in greater danger. All of this fits prophetically with what Ezekiel 38 says about a future invasion of Israel that will come out of the north. We can be certain that the U.S. and Russia will continue to clash in the Middle East. But as time goes on, we are seeing Russia become more dominant, and that is reason to be concerned about the future of the region. Yet, the very fact that we see everything lining up with Bible prophecy is confirmation that God's plans are unfolding exactly the way He said they would. No matter what happens, we can be assured that God is in control. It is for this reason that we can keep watch and find hope, knowing that with each day that goes by, we are drawing closer than ever to Christ's return. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Foreshadows Report. My prayer is that you will continue to find these podcasts informative and encouraging. And in case you're interested in following my daily posts on Telegram Messenger channel, you can find out more information at stevemillerresources.com or you can go to Foreshadows Report on Telegram Messenger channel itself. Don't miss out on the daily updates that I provide about what is going on all around the world and especially in the Middle East. And in closing, I want to say a very special thank you to Harvest House Publishers, which has made this podcast possible. <laughs>